0: 37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 199. That is so weird to say. Episode one ninety nine. Big numbers, dog. Yeah, jeez. There's no rookie numbers. It's my pro, right? <laughs> I know, man. I know. We got the big leagues coming up to Hundo next week. Now, on tonight's episode, it's a little different. It's weird not saying this, but uh, Preston is not on this episode. It is Big Steven and I holding down the fort. Indeed. So we can push away all of Preston's empty vape carts, and you could have a seat up front with Daddy.
2: Hell yeah! <laughs> Brought that wacky tobacco that rhymed. Check this out. Uh, uh, Preston was too good with his Mason friends to join us tonight. So, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just joking. he's doing it. He's doing his work <laughs> with his with his group of peeps, and uh, we miss with his them. brothers. Yeah,
1: and without uh, them, like we lose probably like. Three fourths of our fan base. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, don't offend like the majority of our listenership. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh man, dude. Speaking of masons, um, I didn't plan on bringing this up, but my cousin Amy does a lot of like collecting and repairing and fixing of like old, you know, antique clothing and stuff like that. And she came across like a mason apron. This thing is so cool. I I don't know if I talked about it on the show or not with Preston, but like it's from back from 1908 and it was a Mason apron that Amy thought was actually like part of a wedding uh, suit that, you know, a man would wear to a wedding. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's a 1908 Mason's apron. That's crazy. And so Preston, yeah, Preston was given like the history behind it because Amy wasn't really sure exactly what it was. And it turns out um, it's basically. Hang on a second. He asked, you know, how she got the apron. She bought it uh, in like a lot, like on a sale of like a like an old dress and stuff. And she thought it was like a set, like a wedding set, where like mm-hmm. this is the the man's suit and this is the woman's dress. But uh, Preston said, long story <laughs> long story short, it's an apprentice apron. There's three dates on the apron. Um, that have to do with different, you know, peaks in a mason's life. He wouldn't tell me. He, the bastard wouldn't tell me most of the shit I, I want to going I was going to say secrets. there's probably some kind of secrets. And
2: actually, when <laughs> Amy got into the hem, the seam of the hem of the dress, she actually found a secret piece of paper that was a secret map to the secrets, but it just disintegrated because
1: it was sold. So, so you're lost. <laughs> wouldn't presto. that be rad? <laughs> yeah. Almost had a modern day Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> But essentially what we could figure out was it was an apron from a mason who hopefully would have been buried with the apron. But, um, you know, apparently that kind of stuff could sometimes get miscommunicated or lost. Or dug up. So it ended up just going down to like, you know, a goodwill or, you know, an estate sale or whatever. Amy found it. And uh, anyway, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty, pretty rad. Well, I didn't have any news prepared for tonight, but you saved the day and apparently you had a fair bit. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump into it. Let's go. So these are like just three random, random, random
0: things.
2: (laughs) So as we all know, we all love our technology. It's a great thing. It's a terrible thing. Sometimes it's in the middle. But one thing a lot of people love is cats. I love my cat. True. You love your cat. Mm -hmm. Shayla
1: doesn't love your cat. (laughs) <laughs> but no, she, she did does. bring him home And I am quick to remind her yeah. When he's being a bastard yeah. You brought him home Yep. Uh,
0: <laughs>
2: so I thought this was pretty sweet In Tokyo they have an awesome huge massive billboard This thing is huge And it's I mean I, let's see okay I'll just read it On a 1666 666 the mark of the beast Square foot curved <gasps> LED screen In Tokyo's Shinjuku Jeez. district a gigantic cat looms over the crowd near a busy rail race railway station part of an experiment in digital signage the scale of the feline is startling finally a pet cat worthy of Godzilla and there's there's a YouTube <laughs> video out there just look up giant 3D cat Tokyo and this cat it's a calico cat and it's so huge it literally looks like if Godzilla was standing there what a cat would look like to us as humans like it's it's massive and this huh. curved LED screen is perfect for these skyscrapers. But it's also terrifying because you could because it looks so
1: realistic. <laughs> this cat yeah. looks nice. Oh, my God. Isn't that awesome? It does. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> I just YouTube giant 3D cat Tokyo. Yeah. And there it is. Yeah, I muted it for once in, you know, 199 episodes. So you guys wouldn't have to hear this stupid ads for Sea Cuisine.
0: Yeah. But isn't that's that crazy?
1: Wicked, like dude. the, the yeah. animation and the way it like looks three D with like the cupboard.
2: It's so or the, the little cubby hole.
1: Yeah, it's like a giant cubby hole, like yeah. a shelf. Uh
2: I'm <laughs> looking at <it> sleeping. <laughs> it fell off. That's so cool. <laughs> it's like sleeping and it falls off and gets all startled. Yeah. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, it's like oh gosh, it's like on a third story of this building.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh god, it might even be higher than, you know, three stories. That's huge. Dude. Yeah, it's really cool. This is uh, yeah, Hell yeah, that's rad.
2: Sweet. So check that shit out. And if there's one thing on Pixelated Paranormal that none of us care for, I mean, I can almost speak for all three of us. Uh, we do <laughs> not care for the Flat Earth Society. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> uh, if you are a Flat Earther and you listen to this show, please seek medical
1: attention. Uh, <laughs> Please email us and tell us why Yeah, yeah that, that, that'd be cool We're not saying you're wrong We're just asking you to yeah. convince us So,
2: a place that I, wanted, I want to uh, visit so bad Is Scotland A strange uh-huh. shop in Scotland That served as the country's veritable headquarters For the Flat Earth Movement Has mysteriously closed its doors The odd facility, <gasps> for lack of a better term Was located along a commercial street In the city of Iverness and open to a considerable fanfare back in February of 2018. It lasted that fucking long? Wow. That's <laughs> sad that mom-posh stores around here can't stay open. they have like really genuine cool ideas, and this thing lasted that right. long. Right. <laughs> At the time, <laughs> it was described as a proverbial pop-up shop meant to serve as a temporary enticement for people to learn more about the controversial conspiracy theory. However, according to a local media report, the site wound up sticking around for the next three years, despite seemingly not being an actual business and became something of a neighborhood fixture until earlier this month. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Go, basically, they would hand out flyers, this and this and this. But what the thing that I thought was pretty funny is, like, another individual who lives near the location revealed that everyone was always intrigued as to who could be paying rent for the premises, as it certainly couldn't <laughs> have been cheap. Although this person observed that up until two weeks ago, it seemed like the business as usual in the shop. The nature established it, as well as how exactly it managed to stay open for so long, remains a mystery. <laughs> to that end, the resident oh. providing something of a glimpse as to what went on behind the doors of the store, saying that... They had like couches inside and games like chess, and they had a lot of gatherings. Okay, first off, huh? Chess is a is an easy but complex game to play. Right. I can't picture like any flat earther being a wizard chess. Oh, sad trombone. this is just a funny article. <laughs> so, uh, if you were planning your 2022. 2021 vacation, maybe even 2023 to go to Scotland and visit the Flat Earth Society building. Well, it's not going to be there. And it's pretty cool because apparently on, it
1: fell off the face of the
2: earth on the front of this door or the shop. It has this like homemade sign that says humanity is not a virus. <laughs> we'll talk about that next episode. Uh, <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, this, okay, this, this is crazy. I'm not going to tell you where this happened. I want you to okay. guess. Okay. All right. Corinna Smith, 59, attacked her 81-year-old husband while he was in bed at their home. Oh, I heard about this. How did she attack her husband? She went to her stove and boiled water. And then she poured three kilograms of sugar into that water. When you have boiling water with sugar, it makes it stick to the thing that it's burning. She didn't you're w-
1: basically making a syrup, is yes. what you're making. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm.
2: She went over him and poured that onto his arms and torso, and then left the property. And then neighbor contacted oh. the police, and the ambulance arrived <sighs> after she told him, "I've hurt him really bad. I think I've killed him." Yeah. So why did she do this? Because her daughter and her her daughter came to her and said that when they were younger, her da- that father had been abusing them. her and her brother for years while they were younger and she snapped yeah she uh basically she was she was charged with with murder she gets out in 15 years the maximum sentence yeah well damn i just gave you a hint shit (laughs) anyways (laughs) like that sounds like something (laughs) that would happen here right in america right right yeah yeah yeah. exactly where do you think this happened at it happened in england yeah dude isn't that crazy that sounds like an american killing you know what i mean
1: yeah, I was reading because he died later in the hospital. Yeah, like, he yeah, wasn't he, murdered at the house. Yeah, but he, he succumbed. Yeah, it was like thirty-eight uh, percent
2: of his thirty-eight or thirty-nine percent of his body was consumed in burns, like the worst burns you yeah. can. Yeah, so it. Yeah, you ain't coming back from that, man. Very. That's
1: rare. that's tricky because, like, on one hand, uh, I mean, street justice. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's complex in the manner only that he was not taken to trial there's no formal investigation proving he did or did not yeah um you know unfortunately it is hearsay and i'm not standing up for that guy remotely if that is true at all i'm just saying like uh, you know <laughs> it's tricky
0: yeah it's tricky it's if, tr- if
1: he did indeed uh abuse her and the brother right wasn't there a sibling yeah the little girl and the brother yeah. when they were younger. And I mean, these people are pretty old.
2: That dude was eighty yeah. she's fifty nine, he's eighty one, so the kids are probably older now. So Yeah. Um, I don't
1: know. I mean if it's if it's true, it's like eh, you know, doing God's work. Um if it's false, that's that's sad. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah. She was I trying to get
2: she was trying to get uh the court to give her uh, manslaughter and not murder. But I mean Yeah. You know she confessed to manslaughter, but not murder. And I mean, you know, it, their yeah. actions were deliberate, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. so you, you, you <laughs> yeah. ain't going to convince the crown on that one. So. <laughs> no,
1: I don't think you will, man. Right. Yeah. That's nuts. Like I've made syrup. I've made simple syrup before I made like homemade peach uh, syrup and stuff like that. And it does get very hot. Cause you have to boil it until it reduces down. Um, Mm. And it becomes a, a sticky, hot mess that would easily give you third-degree burns. That's what she said. <laughs> that's what she did. <laughs> Yikers.
2: Yeah, that's fucking well, crazy. So, yeah, there's three
1: titillating news stories for that ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, for that ass, for that paranormal ass. Well, Steve, you didn't know this, but tonight's story takes place where? In England. I've seen that when you sent the notes. I was like, yes. What a great segue at the end of the (laughs) news. I know, I love it when a plan comes together. So yeah, we promised this summer we would do some more alien abduction stories. Uh, I've been sitting on this one for quite a while. Oh, Uh, it
2: was another uh, story I was going to put, which would have been funny because it would tie into this. Did you know that two thirds that now two thirds of the population believe in extraterrestrial
0: life?
1: Oh, it's nuts. It is incredibly nuts. Like, I've got one of my very best friends. Um, I won't say his name. I know he doesn't listen to the show. It's just not his cup of tea. But I've got a very close friend who is very much like Mr. Science. Every time I send him an article, it's like, dude, check this out. It's always like, uh, oh, interesting. But, you know, it's, it's probably not aliens. It's probably not UFOs. It's probably blah, blah, blah. Push up the glass. He, <laughs> <laughs> he has completely done uh, a 180... Not to the point where he's like, it's aliens, everything's aliens, but like with the proof becoming so overwhelmingly positive that, you know, the government, the, the, yeah, the U.S. government, the U.S. armed forces, all of them are acknowledging this stuff. Now the countries Uh, too. The Pentagon's kind of throwing their hands up saying, ah, we don't really know what this is. Uh, It's interesting. And that is cool to see somebody who is very much like very forward thinking, very analytical, very, you know, he's an atheist at heart on many things, especially religion. But like, I'm not saying it's aliens until you can prove it to me. Like it's it's really fun. He's going on Reddit. He's going down Reddit rabbit holes. Um, Actually, the female. Oh, I forgot her name. uh, The female pilot just that just came forward talking about, you know, spotting the UFO and Mm. and coming public with, you know, what she saw. Um, he put a thing on Reddit and basically just said, you know, I just want to commend you on your bravery and blah, blah, blah. And she replied to him on Reddit and she's just like, hey, I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. And basically, like, something unexplainable and what else are you supposed to do? Like, now is the time to come forward when you're not going to be just one weirdo in the village saying the sky is falling. Like, you're one of hundreds of people coming forward. Professionals coming forward uh, yeah. saying that yeah, we can't explain this shit. And it's funny now because he's really submerging himself, um, pun there, in the idea of USOs, unidentified submerged objects. And he's like, dude, there's so much overwhelming evidence that these crafts are actually going into our oceans and into seas and you know bodies of water. And it's just really fun to have him be like... Hey, here's all the scientific data behind this shit, and I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, also, you know, you had these German submarines and these uh, deep sea divers get attacked by all these aliens underwater, and <laughs> he loves it. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Our two worlds are colliding, so Funny. it's really interesting. But yeah, but yeah, you know, with all this going on with this weird age of disclosure that we're um, currently in, the dawn of disclosure. Uh we wanted to do more alien and UFO and abduction stories. And I've been sitting on this one for a while, mainly because I wanted to do we need uh, to, talk to an somebody who's on... actually been abducted. <laughs> It'd be neat, wouldn't it? It'd be so tight. Um I wanna I wanna do the Copley Woods of uh, you know, encounter and all these, you know, British stories. And I was gonna weave this tale into a bigger episode, but I thought, you know, tonight it's the perfect size for you and I because Preston can't be here. And so I want to jump into the Todd Morden UFO encounter that took place in England. So we let's go. So the tale of the Todd Morden UFO encounter begins with a bizarre event that involves a man by the name of Zygmunt Adamski. Mr. Adamski was born in the middle of August, 1923 and spent much of his life in his native Poland He married a woman who was a multiple sclerosis sufferer uh, whose name was Lottie back in 1957, and in 1950, I'm sorry, 1960, the couple relocated to Tingley, Tingley, maybe Tingley, a small town near Wakefield in Yorkshire, England. Now, over the course of the next 20 or so years, they established themselves as just another boring average married couple. Uh, They did the average kind of stuff you do in your neighborhood, said hi to the neighbors, took the trash out on time, and by all other accounts, were just a normal, average couple. They were friendly and unassuming, and by all accounts, got along with everybody. So that's what makes the disappearance of Zygmunt very peculiar. On June 6, 1980, at 3.30 p.m., Zygmunt Adamski took off on his way on a short walk to the local shops in order to buy some groceries. It was just another average day. Adamski set off, waved at his neighbor. The neighbor greeted him, and then he headed down the street. This would be the last time anybody saw Zygmunt alive. Now, for a man like Adamski to go missing without any notice for days was completely out of character. This man st- stuck to his schedule. And what's interesting here, too, is his goddaughter's wedding would take place the next day, making his disappearance even more peculiar. Oh, weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whole family is excited about this wedding. He himself is involved. He can't wait for it. And uh, he just disappears. Five days after he vanishes and 20 miles away in the town of Todmorden, Adamski's family and friends' worst fears were realized when his body would go on to be discovered at a coal yard. Trevor Parker, the son of the Tomlin Coal Yard, discovered Zygmunt Adamski's deceased body at 3.45 p.m. on June 11th, uh, approximately five days after he disappeared. Now, what's interesting here is... The yard had been up and active, people were working in the area, and they'd been open for almost five hours before his body would be discovered on the property. Mr. Parker was on site from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. and didn't notice anything unusual. But later, late in the afternoon, when he's making his way around the coal yard, he discovered Mr. Dansky's body laying at the top of a 10-foot pile of coal. It was just after 4 p.m. when the police arrived at the scene of the crime. Among the two police officers that would arrive would be Police Constable Alan Godfrey. More on Godfrey later. Now, there's many mysterious circumstances around the discovery of of Adamski's body. One is that he was a real sharp dresser. The guy liked to wear, you know, suit, pants, a dress shirt, a vest, a jacket. The man was basically everything ZZ Top sang about.
0: Well, when he set off,
1: right? doesn't know what he's going to do. So when he set off five days earlier, he was wearing just that. His suit, his vest. His shirt, his shoes, his dress pants, I mean, he's dressed to the nines, like he dressed every single day. Well, when his body was discovered, he was still wearing the suit, but it was very, very disheveled. His jacket was on, but improperly fastened, like the buttons were all mismatched. While he was wearing a vest underneath the jacket, his dress shirt was never discovered, as well as his wallet and watch, which were both missing. The fly to his pants was unzipped, but Mm. the pants were oddly buttoned as well. Mm. And his shoes looked as if somebody else had hastily put them on his feet for him, because his feet were just haphazardly shoved in. One of them was actually hanging off of his foot. But the shoes were still tied. They said later that it looked like somebody else had dressed him, but the person who would have dressed him had no idea how clothing worked or how to dress somebody and despite being missing for five days, he only had one day of beard growth on his face. His hair also had been messily cut shorter than it had been when he was last seen. His neck and shoulders were covered in bizarre burn marks and then coated with a strange ointment that scientists never could identify. There were no other injuries to indicate how he died, but his body was discovered with his eyes open and the expression of sheer terror on his face, assuming he had been scared to death. Nobody could explain where Adamski had been for five days, or how his body was found on top of this pile of coal, or what the ointment was covering his burns, or why, being missing for five days, he only had about a day of beard growth on his face. James Turnbull, the coroner assigned to the case, stated it was the biggest mystery of his career, His best guess for the cause of death would be summed up to a generic heart attack. But if it was a straightforward heart attack case, then why was the corpse positioned as it was on top of a 10-foot pile of coal? He'd been gone for five days, but the strange burns on his body could only be ruled to be two days old. And the contents of his stomach would tell a coroner that he had been well-fed and didn't remotely starve during the five days. The cause of the burn marks, and also the gel-like ointment found on his body, would never be identified. And what's even more peculiar is no footprints would ever be found near or on the pile of coal. Not even Adamski's own footprints. Just some weird web looking things. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) It would appear to the police investigators that his body was just simply placed there, out of thin air. Now, although this would be the unfortunate end for Zygmunt Adamski, this is just the beginning of the Todd Morden UFO story. The policeman who had been called to the coal yard when Adamski's body was first found, police constable Alan Godfrey, would soon be in the middle of his own unexplained tale. Now, before we get on to Alan Godfrey, we got to mention this. Steve, I don't know if you were on the show back then, but we did talk about another case uh, from a missing 411 story where a guy was found standing upright in like waist deep water in a gravel pit. Do you remember that story?
2: Mm-mm. He was alive? Um, okay.
1: No, he was dead. Um, as many of these missing 411 cases go, you know, it's uh, predominantly males most yeah. of the time found near bodies of water. Um, but this story of a uh, Adamski reminded me of this guy's story where his, he'd gone out drinking one night with his buddies and then disappeared and when police found him, he had like 0. 0.42 um, blood alcohol level, which I believe is, you know, <laughs> not a good amount to have in your body. But yeah, the guy's name was Jeffrey. Not G.C. enough to
2: bury yourself in some fucking gravel. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. That's what was <laughs> weird. Um, 0.42% is a lethal amount for almost anybody who's not just a straight alcoholic. Yeah. So the location of the body was described by many to be a gravel pit with water. Um, He was found to be about waist deep in water. Um, His feet were just slightly, you know, covered by gravel, but his body was found standing upright like he had just been like shoop, like stuck straight down. Um, His eyes um, were basically uh, shriveled up, missing the, you know, vitreous goo that's inside your eyeball. And they found his body to be um, exinguiated. Is that the word, Steve? Uh, Basically, all the blood had been removed from his body. (laughs) That's,
2: That's me. I don't know.
1: Drain, well, I mean, you, call it. <laughs> you you work in the biz. I now. say drain.
2: We got. I'm sure there's a science <laughs> bull- name.
1: I say drain, man. Drain him. I believe it's exsanguinated. I probably butchered that word, but in the spirit of Preston not being here, why not mispronounce a few words? Yeah, no exsanguinated. Sure. <laughs> Anywho, Zul. Yeah, Adamski's uh, death reminded me a lot of these um, missing 411 cases. Very bizarre, where a body's found and the clothing is basically just kind of mismatched, put on there. Sometimes, uh, not in Adamski's case, but in many cases, even put on the body backwards. Like someone just didn't understand how clothes work. Nice. Well, from now on, our story no longer involves Mr. Adamski. May he rest in peace. Instead, we're going to shift our focus now to Police Constable Alan Godfrey, one of the two officers assigned to the Adamski case. Do they to Gilbert? <laughs> Gilbert maybe. Now Alan Godfrey oh my had let God. it be normal. <laughs> All I do is picture him playing. the... Oh, I uh, remember a Problem
2: line. Child, dude? The movies were so dope. Those were good. Yeah, John Ritter, rest in uh, peace. Was that John Ritter? <laughs>
1: I I think it was. I think it was John Ritter, right? Probably. Go ahead. Only Preston is here to Google it for us. (laughs) Now, Alan Godfrey, up until this point, had led a pretty normal life prior to his alleged UFO encounter. He was married with two children. Yeah, John. And he was one hell of a policeman, as he was commended twice by the police force for his successful investigative work in cases of sudden and mysterious deaths. Mm. That's the reason why he was summoned to take a look at the Adamski case, because it was very unusual and a very sudden death. So before the events that would go on to be known as the Todd Morden UFO encounter, the only real noteworthy thing that happened to Officer Godfrey was a scuffle that occurred involving three unruly men on the day of October 23rd, 1977. So, you know, three years before the whole Adamski thing. Mm. On that night, Godfrey was attempting to take in three men into custody on the grounds they were under investigation for brutally assaulting somebody the night before, on October 22nd. However, it was three on one. The Brutes resisted arrest and beat Godfrey to the ground, wounding him severely. So severely, in fact, that when one of them kicked him right in the junk, he would go on to lose a testicle Hmm. from the result of the impact. He was told by his doctor that he would no longer be able to lead a normal sex life or father any more children. Normal's boring. (laughs) Now, now we fast forward to the unexplainable death of Adamski, and boom! Five months following that initial event that Alan Godfrey was assigned, Godfrey had his own otherworldly experience less than a mile from the coal yard. A little over five months after the events at the Coal Yard on the night of November 28th, 1980, Godfrey was disp- dispatched to investigate the disappearance of a local herd of cattle in the middle of a torrential downpour. Now, locals had reported the disappearance <laughs> of this work. group of cattle. <laughs> it reminds me of a hot fuzz. Yeah, yeah. You want me to find a goose? Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, Now, locals had reported the disappearance of this herd of cattle before. It seemed tonight, though, this herd had vanished without leaving any trace on the ground. It was not a one-off incident, though, because they had been reported to be disappeared and reappeared a number of times. Now, 5 a.m. comes the next morning on November 29th, with no sign of the marauding group of cattle, and Police Constable Godfrey headed into Todd Morden. To the town center for one last sweep before going back and clocking out now he passed the bus station seeing several you know workers shuttling in going off to work and he saw no sign of trouble there so he decides to go for one more look in the countryside for those bloody cows godfrey passes another bobby aka police officer who was on foot patrol pulled over offered to give the man a lift and his fellow bobby declined the ride
2: if only I had a mobile phone on me at the time so I could record what I saw, it would have been a lot easier than forty years of trying to explain it. I thought it was a bus at first, but I remembered I'd already passed the early morning service. and as I got near, it was very clearly looked nothing like a bus. It was completely blocking the main road, a huge metal object hanging in the air about five feet off of the ground. It was diamond shaped, about twenty feet wide and fourteen foot high. I'm great with measurements, with what appeared to be dark paneling across the upper top third. My headlights were shining off the side, and if I had gone out of my car and thrown a brick at it, it would have gone... Bang. (laughs) The whole bottom half was spinning in an anti-clockwise direction, which was kicking up leaves and dirt beneath it. I just sat there in awe, staring at it. Next, my training in five years in the force kicked in. I put on my blue flashing lights, flipped on the hazards, and attempted to radio to the control room. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> That's when my training in five years on the force. I'm pretty sure anybody would do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> first off, I wouldn't throw a brick at it.
1: <laughs> but, like, I would. I'd chuck bricks at it and shotgun.
2: But like, <laughs> he's like, My five years on the force. Dude, I'm pretty sure a rookie of two days would have done the exact same thing. You. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, yeah, but you've got that other case. Um, I forgot who it was, but that guy that went to check on the house, you know, that he's keeping an eye on, and those like weird, like horny toad-looking aliens mm-hmm. were there, and like that goober kept tripping, falling down. He lost his flashlight. I think he dropped his gun. True. <laughs> well, there's a picture there of him drawing the ship that he uh, reported seeing, and it almost looks like a uh, short. A uh, squished-down hot air, air balloon. Band, like yeah. the top was kind of domed, yeah. Well, both Godfrey's personal and in-car radio sets wouldn't establish contact, so he pulled out a sketch pad and a pencil, a common practice for officers who were used to responding in traffic collisions at the time. And he started to sketch what it was he saw. But as he drew the remarkable object, a brilliant white light suddenly flashed, blinding him in an instant. And as the flash gradually subsided, he realized he was no longer sitting there drawing the object. But instead, he was back in his car, driving the other way back down Burnley Road. That's crazy.
2: I was about a 100 yards on the other side where the thing had been hovering. There was a strange, tickly, electric feeling about the place. I turned around and went back to the spot the object was hovering. The road surface beneath it was bone dry. Everything else was glistening from the earlier downpour. In the dry patch, leaves, twigs, and small branches lay in a swirled pattern.
1: So, yeah, that's kind of common in some of these cases, too, you know, where a craft is sitting in some kind of rain or downpour. Crop circles, dog. Right, I was going to say any crop circles too. Yeah, the ground is just completely dry underneath it. Upon returning to the station, Godfrey also noticed there was approximately 30 to 35 minutes of missing time, which he couldn't account for. While he claims his trip down Burnley Road should have only taken him about 15 minutes, he had been gone for approximately 45 to 50 minutes. So he reported what happened to his superiors. The next night, Godfrey's wife was awakened by the strange noise outside the house while the two of them were in bed together. Now, despite her best efforts, she was unable to wake Godfrey. The next morning when they woke up... shit from dealing with the shit that happened to him. <laughs> missing That's time, shit, right?
2: saw this craft, he doesn't know what the hell, what's real, what's not. <laughs>
1: uh, the next morning when they woke up, they had sex for the first time since he was beaten back in 1977. An act which resulted in the pregnancy of his wife, something doctors said wasn't possible. And the next day, he noticed other things that were peculiar that wasn't about him theory. as well.
2: <laughs> that was that alien peeking <laughs> on that window. Skeet skirt.
1: <laughs> the next day, he Come also noticed several check. things that were. <laughs> uh,
0: the
1: next day, he also noticed several things that were peculiar that had no explanation. An itchy but painless mark had appeared on his foot, and his boot had been split horizontally down the sole. What the hell? That same night, he returned back to the scene, accompanied by three police officers, to survey the site of the incident. They entered a fenced-in park by unlocking the gate in which they had found the herd of cows. How did the herd enter the park if it was fenced in and locked? Furthermore, there were no trails on the ground. The mystery couldn't be solved. Was this associated with the UFO they had seen previously? Now, soon after, police constable Gordon tracked. Uh, Godfrey. <laughs> Batman. Soon <Gordon>. PC. <laughs> soon after, police constable Godfrey tracked down another witness, Leonard Smith, a former police officer who had also reported seeing a large sphere shaped object raising into the sky as well as three other officers from the Halifax Division who also reported seeing strange blue steel lights at 4.49 a.m. So with what the hell happened, Godfrey (laughs) decided to go have a few sessions of hypnosis just in case something else may have happened that evening. Professor Robert Blair and Dr. Joseph Jaffe were both experts in the field and treated Godfrey on three separate occasions with their practices located in Manchester. He met Dr. Joffe for two sessions, both of which were filmed. During one of the sessions, Godfrey recalled what happened before he awoke, driving his car away from the object just after sketching the craft. Jesus, the light, the light. I'd been blinded. He claimed that the UFO had stopped his car engine, filled his radio with static, and then blinded him with an intensely bright beam, which caused him to lose consciousness. His next supposed memory was being inside of a room that looked very much like that of a regular house.
2: I was outside my car, and now there's like a man with a beard, a, yeah, a bearded man, a human man. He almost looks biblical. He's, he's making me float. Oh, God, I'm floating up to this craft, and now there's a bunch of tiny little creatures. They look funny. They're, they're taking me to a room.
1: There was a large black dog in the room and a heavily bearded man assisted by several small robotic-like creatures with heads that were shaped like light bulbs. The bearded man, dressed in biblical clothes, communicated with Godfrey telepathically, revealing his name to be Yosef and that Godfrey already knew him. And Yosef promised him again he would have a later encounter. The person had a pleasant appearance and was about six feet tall. He had a beard and wore a white gown. Godfrey was asked through telepathy to lie down on the examination table. Once on the bed, eight short beings, about three feet tall, with light bulb-shaped heads (laughs) and large black eyes, approached the examination table. It's like Willow this motorcycle. I know. (laughs) He says the strange bearded man commanded the robotic-like gray creatures to operate on him and conduct various tests on Godfrey's body. Godfrey never got around to finding out how the abduction ended, though, as the hypnosis sessions were stopped after two because of how much stress he had experienced. An important detail he did remember, though, was having his left foot examined and being wired to some strange machines. Also, he was able to back up his testimony under hypnosis by the fact that on the night of the incident, and when returning to the police station, he noticed his boot was torn and he had a strange mark on his foot. Hmm. Godfrey was told that his condition had somehow been reversed during a doctor's visit, and the damage from the beating from 1977 was now reversed and maintains the belief that the visitors that night that he encountered on November 28, 1980, served some kind of positive function in his life, possibly fixing the sterilization. No, the old switcheroo. <laughs> now, Godfrey would go on to do many interviews with books and magazines. Uh, he would be interviewed on television. Um, it was really what they considered to be England's first major abduction case. He really just wanted to get on TV to talk about his nuts. I guess man it was his
2: nut. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, there's there's like there's other people that have had children. I know a dude that has only has one testicle due to mm-hmm. a due to a kick in the groin when he was younger, and yeah, they told him that it'd be hard for him to have kids. Well, he's got a little kid, little boy. So yeah. I mean, it's not impossible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So.
1: Exactly. I mean, you only need one. Yeah. Uh, if Here's a biology lesson, folks. You only need one good testicle to yeah. work, and if it's your left one, why, that's the important one. And like, if it's your right one, then it's gonna be a little bit more difficult, but it is possible. And what's crazy is that, like,
2: Godfrey's talking about being on this ship and them doing these experiments. I mean, they're, they're working on your foot, bro. Like, they didn't they didn't examine your nutsack. So, <laughs> you no,
1: know, anatomy's not that hard. Well, like I said, though, he they was mess scheduled with your foot, they fix
2: your they fixed your testicles,
1: <laughs> I don't know, but... yeah, that's how it works, for yeah. it's all linked together, um no, but like I said, he was scheduled for three hypnosis sessions, but only did two because of the amount of trauma. oh, that's right, so he didn't get the rest. And stress he experienced, yeah. so he never finished out how the abduction went, so yeah. but if they were that yeah, successful, easily...
2: he wouldn't go he wouldn't go back in. I do, I just need a taste. right i would be i would be like well if i've already done this many and as well do one more i
1: need to know how it ends right i know i mean hell but what can you do right but that is the story of the todd morden abduction or todd morden ufo encounter nice yes sir cool well, we want to say, guys, thank you so much for all the stories you've sent in for our next oh episode. Gosh. We've already amassed quite a few. we got more coming. And if you want to send in your own personal paranormal story, something that happened to you as a kid, something that happened to your parents, a weird light you saw in the sky, something you thought was a bus and ended up being a UFO, please email us at pixelatedparanormal@gmail.com. at gmail.com Or you can actually send in your own recording on our voice mail. Let me get that for you real quick. I should have had it up already. The Google voice number is 913-662-3144. And I think you can leave up to a three-minute long recording.
2: But The best way to do that?
1: is majority of
2: everybody that's listening to this has an Android or an iPhone. Both of them mm-hmm. have stock built into their OSs, a sound recorder. Pop it up, hit the record button, save it, send it in an email or through a messenger. It works great.
1: Uh-huh. Awesome. That'd be perfect. That'd be perfect because we can, we can take that, slap in the MP3 into the recording, and just... Uh, let you tell your
2: own story. Yeah, and if you don't like the sound of your voice, we can put a voice modulator on it too, because we're <laughs> fancy like that. <laughs> Pull all the stops here, at Pixelated Paranormal. We're at 200 episodes. That's true. <laughs>
1: we've we've doubled our budget from where it was when we started. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, let's plug some stuff and get out of here, buddy. Cool. Uh,
2: check us out on Facebook, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Check us out on the Instagram, PXL Paranormal. Where you get the visual guides and all the other cool graphics that Sean does, and just the random stuff here and there. Go look at our photo shoot photos. They're fun. We had a we had a blast doing them. And uh, oh yeah, man! Shout out to our buddy at what's his? good Twentieth Street Photography. Twentieth Street Photography. Yes, sir. He did a phenomenal job with us. And uh, check out his work and book a awesome. Photo shoot with him soon on his land because it's beautiful and they have that yeah, rescue really dog was. stuff too what's that called do you remember the name of that i do not well we'll get the name of that soon for you
1: <laughs> and here we go guys the name of that will be heart strings animal advocates
2: <laughs> go to their page i'm pretty sure he, li- <laughs> he lists them on their page too but they have a lot of animals that they foster to try to find forever homes and them dogs are very well taken care of and very loving so
1: yeah, most definitely man. And if you don't, that's fine cuz Isaac will continue to just amass a giant collection of dogs. Yeah,
2: and he loves he <laughs> he loves them dogs and he's got a lot of land for yeah. them to
1: run on, so. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely man. Definitely a great uh, foster family for these doggos. So. Cool. All right. And you know what? Preston's not here and I am mm. never prepared for this, so I'll just do my own. If you have a beard, if you know a beard, if you want to grow a beard, please check out our buddy Big Dobbs over at BigDobbsBeardBalm.com. Use promo code P-X-L-P-A-R-A for 20% off anything and everything you order. Check out very delicious scents like Classic, Fresh, uh, Dundee Cedar, Sweet Tobacco, and more mint bro that's my favorite mint's the shit yeah mint is very good very good and then one day he will either make us the sweet tabasco or our very own dapper squash and also hey while we're at it congrats to big Dobbs and hillary yeah they just tied the knot uh Mm. last week so yeah sorry we couldn't be there but uh we're very happy for you guys that's fantastic it's tight congratulations yeah most definitely Cool. All right. And if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our good, good friend Leslie down at CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. Pop in, say hello. I think she has a few stickers left over if you want to get a sticker from her. And uh, just take out, check out the great uh, collection of horror that she has down there. Lots of great movies. Vinyl as well. Yeah. Uh, lots of really great stuff there. She's such a good person. Cool. Oh, yeah. So Most John. definitely. And we got some really fun plans uh, ready with them to do some recording, So. Yes, sir. Cool. All right. Well, until next time, guys, again, please get your stories sent in if you want to include them in episode 200. Maybe it'll be episode 200 and 201, depending how many more we get. We may split it into two. But until next time, guys, cheers to the weird shit in the world and to those of us that love to talk about it. And on behalf of Preston, stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. And stay blinded by the light.
0: The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.